Nice to see you. It's been a little while. Yeah, I'm getting it has. A, seeing a different view of your uh, place. Yeah, I keep moving things around. I found a nice white wire, nice white microphone cord. Oh yeah, yeah. Well, did I think I don't know if I mentioned it on the podcast before, but I went through a D matte blackification of oh, my right. music space <laughs> because everything in the everything in the world of music and recording is matte black and well it's so that it doesn't show up on stage so it doesn't distract on a stage yeah i think that's true and um and also since music is can be kind of a rough and tumble business it you know it uh it uh, prevents things from um being all messy and dirty looking um mm. but you know i'm pretty i'm a pretty tidy fellow and uh I like I, I like a bit of a color palette, and so I started recovering amplifiers and painting surfaces and stuff, and and I'm finally I think I've done about as much as I can do. I've I covered my uh, pedal board with with colorful Tolex, and now everything in here is uh, party colored, mm-hmm. and um, uh, and then I found by the side of the road the other day somebody had just put out. On the street, I think someone was doing some kind of home renovation. Like someone had a, some landlord had bought a place and was gutting it and you know re, re putting it back together. And um, all this furniture was out on the street. It's like two blocks from my house. And among them was this two tiered like mid century fake wood formica table with gold anodized aluminum trim. Nice. And um, I just, I brought it's great. I brought it home and cleaned it up. And, uh, so you brought it back, you painted it matte black, and then it. paint it, and then repainted it. <laughs> yeah, that's right, that's right. <laughs> God forbid should I actually make any music in here, I just had to... No, so um, it's uh, it's a, it's a, exactly what I needed to um, remake this little music corner, so mm-hmm. that's where I'm sitting now, and the, you, the, you are sitting on top of the, the Formica table. Oh, nice, it's nice, it feels sturdy feels comfortable yeah <laughs> mm-hmm. it's a nice nice table to be on yeah yeah you're on a table that i rescued that was uh rescued from the uh, relatives mountain cabin oh yeah that have been replaced with a larger table which uh, which relatives are these the jills or yours jills yeah this mountain cabin that has been in their family since 1904 or something uh, this cat. This is a more. This is like maybe a fifties table. It has drop leaves that the uh, um, the thing supporting the drop leaves are are gone. So they just sort of <laughs> lay there like puppy dog ears. It's a flop leaf table, like a sleepy puppy. <laughs> that's what I call it. <laughs> that's the sequel. That's the the, the reunited skinny puppy, sleepy puppy, <laughs> chubby sleepy puppy. Hey, sleepy puppy. <laughs> Still sounds the same. Still, you know, kind of machined noise music. But so, whatever listeners we have left should know that uh, we have not been avoiding one another. We've been trying to schedule a podcast, but we've been—you and I—have been rather busy, haven't we? We've been trying every week. We've been trying. We've, yeah. we've almost done it, and now we're doing it. High holidays. High holidays is one. Yep. Uh, traveling. Mm-hmm. Forgetfulness. Yep. Uh, children. Sharon and Winfield, correct? Winfield Bluegrass Festival. I think we've we've uh, we've talked about that on previous episodes in previous years. How did this year's measure up? I this is I hadn't been in four years, and it was three years before that. 
and it was five years before that. Before those periods, I was I went every year for probably fifteen years, twelve years, um, and it has it is largely unchanged from when I first went in nineteen ninety. It's still fifteen thousand people camping in a fairgrounds in rural Kansas, mm-hmm. divided quite evenly between. Um, uh, people who like to sleep well in their trailers on one side of the fairground, and then the pecan grove of tent camping, mm-hmm. which is the the center of bluegrass music in the world, is that pecan grove. And you have people from all over, great players, both virtuos- uh, in, great in terms of virtuosity and great in terms of heart, and some overlap. Um, Wonderful. Just playing, just total immersion in picking for five or six days. So, just, so just like Burning Man is what you're saying. Sort of like Burning Man, except uh, <laughs> it only costs ninety dollars uh, to go <laughs> to be there. Yeah, uh, and there's a lot of bratwurst. Uh, it's it serves. It's beginning to serve a function in Kansas. This is the forty sixth or forty seventh year of it, as like. Uh, um, like everybody else, I guess, goes to football games. Yeah. And there's 15,000 people who go to a bluegrass festival. <laughs> yeah. It's actually a really high amount of people. Um, and I'm delighted to hear it's, it's continued to be so popular. The music on the, grand, on the main stages was, uh, as usual, terrible. <laughs> with a few exceptions. Are they Molly still, Tuttle and are, Billy Strings. Are they still on to Beatles covers? Or are they, or, or, are That's people- precisely what happened, John. <laughs> I went up... Tried. It was, it was very hot. I went up and I was trying to, um, uh, to, to. I wanted to see this this, this musician Molly Tuttle, who's she's a great flat picking guitar player. She's got a great band. Right. Um, and uh, I was a little early, and there was a little professorial old dude finger picking a guitar slowly, and he was doing like uh, "I Will," yeah. the Beatles song. I least probably the least interesting Beatles song. Uh, it's um, not. It's not great. And uh, slowly finger-picking with some noodling. Um, I think his mustache grew an inch while he was there. He had a hat. Well, you should always wear a hat as a musician. He had that down. He was wearing shorts, which is a sin. And he was sitting down, and he was uh, just playing <laughs> I Will. played probably a 10-minute version of I Will. Um, and the, the crowd in their folding chairs was... Um, Loving every minute of it. Sure. I wish See, the guy had been playing Loving Every Minute of yeah, it. Yeah, that would have been a good cover. Um, it was very, uh, very horrible and virtuosic, <laughs> or however you say that. Um, and uh, so I, instead of instead of waiting to hear uh, Molly Tuttle, I, I got a turkey leg and went back to camp. <laughs> crying. Crying Aww. in my turkey leg. I, well, I've, gone to, uh, I've gone to Molly Tuttle's webpage and... Uh, She's got a tour listings and uh, is playing a very handsome guitar, and uh, I'll uh, give it a listen later. She's very good, although I worry that um, because the, the the audience, you know, you play to your audience, and the audience um, that really would like her was staying in camp, scared of <laughs> I will fingerstyle cover, and uh, and so I think she might just think that the audience is the folding chair crowd yeah. and will slowly gravitate towards uh towards uh, slow covers of uh wedding songs is this the kind of place where um 
Is this the kind of festival where the, uh, the, the distinguished guests will stay for a few days and mingle with people, or do they come in for their paying gig and skedaddle? They mingle. Yeah, they all, they all, I'm sure they stay in different places. Mostly they, they are in an encampment behind the main stage that is kind of separate from everybody. But from there, they can, um, they can go. And, and a lot of the, a lot of them do wander through the campgrounds and, uh, and pick. Um, many of them largely unrecognized on our side because we wouldn't recognize them because we don't go to the actual concerts. <laughs> right. <laughs> but, uh, uh, yeah, um, great, great picking, camping with a lot of my, my uh, friends, journalists and former journalists. A lot of people centered around K- Lawrence and Kansas City. A friend got sure. married at it, had a, at a wedding ceremony at Winfield. Oh, that's my nice. Friends, that's Sean nice. and Don got married. <laughs> great. Um, you, can and, only, uh, you can only get married at Winfield if your name's Ryan? She's from, uh, yeah, she's from the North Country, and so there was a... Uh, a lot of hot dish and Snickers salad. Since we talk about food, let me tell you about Snickers yes, salad. Yes, please. Two words. One of them is salad. But only one. <laughs> and it is the, the, the Snickers is ensaladated by um, chopping it up. We are talking about the, tro- the chocolate bar, right? The candy bar. The popular chocolate bar. Yeah. Maybe uh, yeah, maybe tossed in a food processor or something, mm-hmm. and then um, it's a salad because there's a lot of Cool Whip in with it in a bowl. So yeah. Snickers and Cool Whip in a bowl mixed together. Sure, sure. Snickers salad. <laughs> it's delicious. It sounds delicious. Is it yeah. chilled as to, to make it into a an ice cream treat type of, type of thing? It's hard, to, hard to refrigerate anything out in the campground. <laughs> it was a little runny, so it was uh, it was freshly prepared. <laughs> Friend well, Tracy uh, uh, had made uh, made a cake. This uh, one in the shape of a guitar, one in the shape of a banjo for their wedding cake. Yeah, um, it was all uh, it was all very lovely. Whole thing drank too much. Sure, mostly hydrating, natural lights to hydrate myself. Mm-hmm. Because uh, it was hot, yeah, it got hot early. So you'd wake up in the tent at uh, you know seven o'clock with the sun already baking the tent. So are you sure you sharing a tent with compatriots, or did you do? You, are you packing? I was your not tent? sharing the tent. I had I've got a little one person tent. It was very small. Did you drive down? Me and my banjo using my banjo for a pillow. Yeah, and it's a gig bag. Ow! Flew down. You flew down. I got to take my banjo to the um, the the head of the the shop that made it, which is and what uh, Deering Banjos. Oh, sure, from, uh, San Diego area. So Greg Deering, so Deering, they have a booth there, and Greg Deering sat and uh, no way walked worked just sort of walked me through the banjo for a half hour, sort of taking it apart and saying he gave me a B for my maintenance. <laughs> okay. Uh, after 25, 20, you know, 25 years, 26 years. Yeah. He said, he said, it was pretty good. Pretty good shape. I mean, that showed a, me some th- things I didn't know about it. Like how to adjust the, the tail piece in a certain way. Yeah. The easy way to do it. I was, when I adjusted it, I made a very difficult way. He said, no, you just do this. And he showed me some little, little things inside the, um, 
back of the tone ring to adjust and we talked about how to tighten the head and and uh, how to set the bridge properly. And he looked at the serial number. He said, oh, this would have been made, you know, in such and such. And here's some of the guys who would have worked on it. He said, I, you know, I, 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 I don't really work on them by that point. But he said, here's, you know, this guy who's, you know, some old master luthier that he'd hired away from something that he'd learned from. And then some young guy who's still there. And, you know, it's pretty cool. Yeah, that sounds amazing, thought, actually. Kinda, yeah, yeah. Um, I'm glad I gave you so much of uh, so much of his time, too. A B grade on a on an old, frequently gigged with instrument for maintenance is a, is a very good grade. Yeah. Okay. I got to say, I love, I love cleaning up. Cleaning mm-hmm. up an instrument. Just taking the strings off. But, mm-hmm. you know... I like to um, I like to polish frets with little uh, yeah. quadruple zero uh, steel wool, steel wool and some uh, lighter fluid. Mm-hmm. I, I like to use uh, I don't uh, yeah if there's a lot of gunk I'll use some mm-hmm. lighter fluid and then I'll sort of uh, put some lemon oil on the on the on the rosewood after when it's all done. Mm. Brush off all the shavings and it feels mm-hmm. good. Um, so my analogous experience was one I'd hoped to talk to you about a couple of weeks ago, and now I've forgotten some of the details, so I'm going to try to recover them, but (laughs) we were supposed to go to the state fair a few Saturdays ago, and then the next day we were going to podcast together, and I was going to tell you about it, but I got this flu, a lot of my students are getting it too, it's, it lasts, it's never debilitating, it's just irritating. Kind of sucks yeah. all the sucks all the energy out of you. And it's not the Spanish influenza. Sick. No, it's not. It's you, you, it's not gonna. You're never gonna be bedridden. Mm-hmm. Um, it doesn't turn your body blue. You don't get cyanosis from no, it. No, you don't get cyanosis. Um, although that would have been a very patriotic gesture for the state fair. When I, when we eventually did go, I I wore red and blue and white. Mm-hmm. Red, blue, and white, as they say. Yeah, the tricolor. Um, no, it was, it's a, it was just three weeks of feeling vaguely shitty. So um, we didn't go to the fair. But then I felt better a couple of days later, and it was the last day of the fair. So Stephanie and I grabbed Owen, and we all, we all drove up to Syracuse to it and uh, had a wonderful time. Uh, there had been rumors that there was a, a kosher food booth, which seemed highly implausible um but we went in search of it so that stephanie could have some meat because you want to have some meat at the at the state, the state fair. fair you got to have something something on a stick yeah exactly so we get there and there's no meat it's it's a kosher food booth with no meat at it in which the case bread. like what's the point uh-huh you know there's so some, what, do they, what do they have i i didn't even go she found it and came back shaking her head and even Look at it, but she said it was all like veggies, <laughs> veggie stuff, and bread and uh, cheesy stuff. So anyway, she ended up eating like a vegetable tempura at the at the only vegetarian booth at the fair. And I had a Italian sausage, um, which was super trafe and delicious, and exactly what I expected. Um, we saw the. Uh, oh, it's you're not on. Um, you're not on uh, social media anymore, so I'm gonna I'm gonna see if I can find this photo and I'll send it to you on the on the Skype. Um, I met the best pigeon in the state of New York. You, you sent me a picture of. of oh, a I did. Pigeon. I sent yeah. you. Yeah. Um, yeah. 
And there are also other wonderful birds. Uh, we met all the winners of the rooster crowing contest. Mm. They were all bantams. Were they cordial? They they looked very agitated. They they didn't look like they were accustomed to being in metal cages. To be honest, all, almost all the birds there, I imagine, have much fuller lives when they're yep. at home. Um, and they all looked very bewildered and alarmed at all the people and the, the presence of other birds. Uh, all the roosters were bantams, so they were these little scrappy guys, mm-hmm. um, and they were crowing like madmen. Um, and there were all kinds of crazy, floofy weird breeds of a bird saw saw a lady pretending to be from 1790 and a lot of uh, guys turning wood uh what is it called you know what is it where you make a table leg turning on wood. A, yeah turning turn wood. Turn wood um i don't know it's not an auger it's a, a spindle uh no bindle not a, not a lathe lathe is not it a lathe? lathe i think it might be a lathe anyway they're spinning, turns, ta- spinning it, table legs. It's, it's kind of on a rotisserie, and yeah. then they're, yeah. yeah I think exactly. it's a lathe. You move it with your feet. Exactly. Um, so yeah, it was it was really it was a really good day. We looked at most of the animals. I had wanted to see. It wasn't until we got there that I realized that she was playing a, a favorite contemporary country lady of mine, uh, Marin Morris. Mm-hmm. Have you ever heard her song "Rich"? No. Mary Morris, Marin, Marin, like Karen, except with an M instead of a K. Confusing, yeah. but uh, um, but uh, we and we did see her. But you had to, you had to go. It, it didn't cost anything extra, but in order to get near the stage, you had to, you had to go in the this. The, you know, they had all these barriers, and you so you had to file through the barriers and then through the crowd. Mm-hmm. And we didn't feel like doing it, so we just stood there for five minutes and listened to her play a song that was not the song I wanted to hear. But I like this song very much, and we're actually listening to it on the way up. So I'll, I'll send it to well, you. Well, I'll listen, I'll listen to it. I'll put it on my spot in the fire. Yeah. There's a line in there like, if, uh, I'll find, I gotta, I gotta find it. Now, where did you encounter it? From listening to country radio? Yeah. Or I think Stephanie found this one. She's she'll often go on Spotify and just listen to all the new country songs. And maybe of thirty, there's one good one. And are you are you using Spotify at all? Um, I subscribe to Apple Music, so sometimes Apple I listen Music. to their playlists. Like I, I'm gathering, it's roughly an equivalent um, service. Uh, yeah. Oh, I like it. I like it. Um, oh, here it is. Uh, if I had a dime every time that you cross my mind, well, I'd basically be sitting on a big ass pile of dimes. <laughs> that's, that's that's a good line. That seems like a line that you would have written, right? Yeah. <laughs> Thank yeah, you, like a John Lennon. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah, it's my favorite country lyric of what yeah. was it, 2016, 17? Yeah. I don't know when it came out. Big ass pile of dogs. But you know, she's doing this thing. I was kind of surprised at the show. She was putting on a great show, but um, the music was basically pop, and I, I like pop music. But it depresses me when a, when a country singer with some real chops and cleverness kind of becomes more pop because I feel like that kind of energy ought to be in country. You don't like to see musicians make money. <laughs> I would like this lady to make as much money as she wants, but you know, I can I can still listen to the old Taylor Swift records, but I can't listen to the last couple. 
I don't know. And I, don't I, tell I, Alice. Don't tell Alice. No, I won't. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> Yeah, well, I, thought, I feel like in a, in a small way that's what was going on with Molly Tuttle. Yeah. I'm concerned about like the actual the audience that might really like her playing, hiding from the the crowd. Is that because um, I saw her play a year ago and it was much more like yeah, I'm one of the great you know young guitar players, um, and let me demonstrate that. Um, but I think she's been in Nashville long enough that she's like, oh, let me demonstrate. Um, my pop sensibility, my country pop sensibility. Sure. Um, uh, and make a living. Yeah. And play, and play guitar well at the same time. Yeah. You know? uh, yeah. Well, that sounds good. I didn't. I didn't go to a state fair. I went to the county fair. Did I tell you about going to the county fair? I don't know if you did. I don't know. If, I don't know if that, that would pass in our time. An analogous experience. Um, uh, fairway, no kosher food. No. Uh, <laughs> Sadly, uh, well, maybe there was. I don't know. I, I, uh, it's a dairy town, Dairy County. Right. Um, so I got to see the Pig and Ford race. That's that. That might be troubling. Oh yeah, yeah. You told me about that. You yeah. went a few years. I've ago. seen it before. Yeah, yeah, I explained it. I think. Uh, so I got to see see that. Um, oh, it, I was I was hoping because that was when I was first beginning to get interested in pigeons that they would have a lot of pigeons at that fair. Mm-hmm. Um, they had they had a couple pigeons. It was mostly just uh, uh, you know four legs good at that fair. Not not so much um, and the the poultry. Yeah, there were some chickens. There was one turkey by himself. It was like <laughs> looked like like the last surviving turkey, <laughs> like the Martha of turkeys was there. Um, Martha being the last surviving passenger pigeon. Yeah. Um, but I still my 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 interest in pigeons is undimmed. I'd like so, to hear more about the pigeon that you saw. Okay. Well, the 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 pigeon that I saw just looked like a pigeon, and it it my I, I posted this photo online. Basically, it to the untrained eye, this yeah. guy, this little guy, is a very cute bird. Yeah. Um, he was best in breed. Yeah. And at the New York State Fair, which suggests that this is not merely the best pigeon in upstate New York. New York City is also part of the state. So this is literally the best pigeon. Full of pigeons, yeah. But to me, it looked like an ordinary pigeon. I mean, I think pigeons are pretty cute regardless. Yeah. But um, So I posted it. I wasn't exactly making fun of the concept. Like I was delighted to meet yeah. the, the, the best of breed pigeon in the state yeah. of New York. Um but a few people, a uh, few people, Carrie Laban was one of them. I think she's a, yeah. a bird person, as a writer we both yeah, know. Yeah, she is. Mm-hmm. Um, and she said, I can confirm that that really is a very good pigeon. <laughs> and, and a couple other people were like, yeah, that's a, that's a nice pigeon. That's a really yeah. nice pigeon. Like, I, and I couldn't, it, it had a very pleasing shape, certainly. The rock pigeon is pretty uniform, <laughs> yeah. really. Yeah. yeah. So... But you know, it reminded me how much I love the the hair splitting differences to the trained eye that separate yeah. an excellent example of something from a not so great or average example sure. of something. Sure. Uh, well, that's, uh, and I, I kind of had a hunger then to kn- to know what made this pigeon the best pigeon. Can you tell know. me? You have an interest uh, in pigeons? Maybe a chesty, a little chestier. Is it a little prouder looking? <laughs> Shiny coat. Well, there's, there's a connection. 
remember the, the uh, some essay uh, it was in the New Yorker a bazillion years ago about um, sort of the, the the people who tend to to introduce people to each other, right? <laughs> yeah, um, like like it's this imperative to connect people, which I kind of have. Like, oh, this person's doing this thing. I need to. I need to. I need to meet these people. So some of it's matchmaking. Some of it's just sort of community building. Sure. Like, oh, this person should know this person, and like yeah. this, this instinct to connect them. No, I, like, I aspire to that for sure. Yeah, it's like a pain. For, it's painful for people not to know each other. They <laughs> should know each other. I feel that way all the time. Right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, and connecting that to facial recognition. Oh. Connecting that instinct to people who recognize faces very well. Um, and there's some connection that the brain people are saying between that tendency and and recognizing birds. The difference between bird species. Because some people, a bird is a bird, a sparrow and a blue jay. I mean, maybe on close inspection, they care enough to notice a difference. But generally, there's a lot of people who, who have trouble recognizing faces and who have trouble distinguishing between birds, yeah. let alone, um, you know, excellent points or, you know, dis- discrepancies between similar looking birds yeah like you know, discrepancies between between faces um looking for beauty i guess yeah that's probably what, what was different about this pigeon was that it was beautiful it was more <laughs> beautiful than other pigeons well that was a large part of my delight i mean the it was a monet water lilies <laughs> of pigeons, pigeons. Yeah. <laughs> did you blur your eyes a little bit <laughs> Did it really come into focus? It naturally yeah. happened when I shed a tear or two at the sight yeah, of the pigeon. Yeah, the pigeon Stendhal syndrome. <laughs> Painted. <laughs> fainting to the pigeon that caused a spell of fainting at the New York State Fair in 2018. <laughs> so, yeah, I feel like... Out it's just the bird flu. There's some... <laughs> that's, that's probably what was H1 wrong with N1. me. Yeah. <laughs> um... Yeah, I I tend to be the kind of person who can go from never having heard of a phenomenon to having strong opinions about it within a, <laughs> within a couple of hours. Yeah. 140 characters. <laughs> Pretty much. <laughs> because it's fun. It's fun it to fun. it's fun, it's to, fun get, to be alive. To groove on something and then start making dis- distinctions. Yeah. Um I mean you you know it's very easy also to take the further step and become a insufferable snob but I I like to think that I'm not that. But. Sufferable. Uh conno- a sufferable connoisseur. Yeah. Mm. <laughs> yeah, there's a there's a, another pigeon called the um I think he's I think he's called the the frillback. Hold on a sec. Oh no, no, no. Sorry, I hit control uh, command F instead of command T. Mm. Let's see. Yeah, there we go. The frillback is a breed of fancy pigeon developed over many years of selective breeding. Frillbacks, along with other varieties of domesticated pigeons, are all descendants from the rock pigeon, of course. The breed is known for the frill or curls on the wing shield feathers. And they've bred this bird to have the most... I'll send you send you the the Wikipedia link here. The most beautiful, the most beautiful uh, fancy feathers. Yeah, kind of like a tulip fringe. Yeah, hold on. Yeah. Oh, yeah, here it is. 
Anyway, I saw one of those probably. Ooh, oh, yeah, they're right? like uh, kind of corkscrewy feathers. Yeah. It's like a poodle, like a cross between a poodle and a pigeon. Yeah. A pigeon. Pigeon. <laughs> a pigeon doodle. A pigeon doodle. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I think it's beautiful. Um, my interest in pigeons, in addition to the inherent admiration for them, is uh, for their, their homing qualities and the. Uh, um, I think I'd like to get into the competitive pigeon racing. Um, and I think the, the, the more gorgeous a pigeon is, the more delicious it might look to a, a Cooper's hawk or a owl. Sure. Um, I think it's, it's – uh, I think you have to make a choice in your pigeon fancying between um, – Yes. Between um, – Oh, beautiful. Like- Beautiness and yeah. and, uh, and and speed. I think speed. The normal normal looking pigeon is uh, is developed. It's 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 uh, it's 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 coloration and its feathers for probably to try to decrease getting eaten slightly. Sure, right. I think that's one of the problems of being a pigeon <laughs> is yeah. that you're full of meat. <laughs> One of the meatiest of flying birds. It's probably the meatiest flying bird. Yeah. The pit, the dove. It's like flying steaks. <laughs> so are you are you admitting a, a, an actual intention to to get yourself some pigeons, make yourself a dove coat, and get to work? I don't have quite. I, I don't have quite enough um, space for a, a loft. I don't think. Not for one of the grand lofts, like like uh, like real pigeon fanciers might have. Um, but I think I could have maybe four or five. Have have a have a couple. Uh, one of the things is in my my research, it's interesting. I, I, I'm sure that there somewhere there is a community in Portland that is doing this. I'm sure because in Belgium, which is one of the centers of pigeon fancying, mm-hmm. of pigeon racing, um, it's combined with bicycling. And Portland is quite by is bike fanciers as well. Um, the the where it's sort of flat, right? Mm-hmm. So you've got your uh, your pigeons, and then you you have a little uh, little little cage uh, on the back of your bike, and to train them, you uh you know you ride your bike with the pigeon out, you know, a mile from the loft, ah. let it fly home. And then you know further and further. So the so it, it, the, the the training is combined with bicycling. Interesting. As, and there's a as a whole um, economy of of pigeon paneers basically <laughs> for the, the transport. So it'd be you just riding your bike with your pigeons. Um, for wow. A while. Yeah. There was a. Um there was a motif on the final season of the HBO show, the leftovers of which I th- I'm a, I'm a great fan right. in which one of the characters has gotten a job, uh, going and collecting homing pigeons from where they're, <laughs> where they deliver messages to. And she, she there are lots of sh- dramatic shots of her cycling along a, a dirt road with a cage full of pigeons. Precisely. Precisely. And I thought I could, I could do that. Precisement. I could, I could bike with birds. Yeah, that seems pleasant, as, right? As they say in Belgium, precisely. Yeah, bike with birds. That's what Belgium means. Oh, <laughs> yeah. From Belge, which means bike. So okay, you can't. You don't. You don't have room for the. Dove. You don't have room for the for the. What did you call it? The 
the grand. Well, for a big well, you get a dove coat yeah. or a lost. Yeah, yeah a grand lost. That's what you call it. Um, but you, but you, could you like erect uh, like a little uh, a little uh, bird porium out in the yard? Would it have to be on your roof? Do they like it up high? They like to start from a high vantage point. You want them high enough that they don't get eaten by f- uh, cartoon foxes. Sure. You know. Uh-huh. Um, but yeah, I, I, I could, I could, I could build one certainly. Yeah. Um, there are. Uh, uh, I'm not, I don't have time to look for them right now. But uh, there, uh, there's some. It's a, it's a particular weird architecture. It's sort of like big chicken coops, but um, you know where you can keep two hundred or you know four hundred birds. Yeah. No, they just sound so pleasant, you know. Mm-hmm. Ooh, ooh, yeah. Ooh. I'm your friend. I'm your friend. Don't eat me. Believe me, being in the poultry barn at the fair, I was just, I felt so at home there. Yeah. And this is not to say I want, I want. Uh, my home life to be full of birds. I don't want the inconvenience or the worry. Well, you have, and you have but kept chickens. I have. Well, and, and, um, Rian continues to, and continues I, to keep chickens. and I'm delighted when I see them. Um, Stephanie's mother keeps a parakeet who's very charming. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. This parakeet, by the way. So, you know, a little budgie, little budgie, little standard issue yeah. budgie. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, his he goes by the names uh, alternately um, Benji and uh, Linus, and there are different factions in the family that favor one name over the other. But yeah. uh, so he's got Stephanie's mother got him these uh, these little um, I don't know what you call them. They're the they're the you know the little solar powered things that dance around. You know, oh, yeah, yeah, you know, a little uh, little plastic. So you can get various kinds of bird-looking things like this, mm-hmm. these little dancey plastic things. And she got one is a Tweety Bird, and mm-hmm. she had a flamingo for a while, and there's a turkey. Um, but currently, he's he's got, and then he's got a. So she, the bird has got inside the cage, he's got Tweety. Mm-hmm. And then outside the cage, he's got like a little, they call it his uh, hot tub. He's got a little bath. And, yeah, they like to take baths. And the, and the, and the turkey is, is rubber banded onto the bath. Mm-hmm. And then on the other side, he's got a little blue rubber duck with, I've never seen this before, but it must be something that birds like, which will become obvious in a moment. But the, the little uh, strips of, like fleecy material, like uh, oh. like fleece fabric coming off it. Mm-hmm. So like a frilly, a, du- a rubber duck with a long, long frill, long mm-hmm. skirts. Yeah. Um, and that's hanging opposite, the opposite side of the cage. And he's, the cage is open all day, so he just flies around the house. But he, he likes his home base in the cage near the window. And he will hang out with Tweety, who's kind of his, his wife, in, yeah. the, in the cage. Then he's also in love with the turkey, and he'll sit in the the hot tub and he'll just kiss the no. just kiss the turkey. Mm-hmm. But the duck, <laughs> oh, no. the duck, he has sex with, and oh, it's dear. and it's not oh, subtle. He he just be, he gets on there and he begins to sway back and forth, and then he starts to puff oh. up to about twice oh. his size, and then he begins like to vibrate. <laughs> He just starts <laughs> vibrating, 
and chittering, and uh, everyone shouts at him until he stops. <laughs> They're really shouting at themselves. <laughs> why, why did we bring this disaster into our lives? He's a, he is a sweet, a sweet bird, though. Like he'll. My favorite thing that he does is if you um, if you go over to the kitchen sink and you you know are like washing the dishes or getting yourself a glass of water, if you turn the faucet on. He will fly over and sit on your shoulder, and what he wants you to do is put your put your finger up to your shoulder so you can hop on, and then you convey him to the running water so that he can he can drink it. That's a well trained uh, budgie. Yeah, so it's a it's a he's a he's a charming, handsome fellow. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, oh, <laughs> but as and also as Stephanie would say, he's a bit lewd. <laughs> Charming and loose. I said, uh, I said, Tweety is a sweetie, but the the duck gets the fuck. <laughs> well, the shirt and the pants do all the work, and the vest gets all the gravy. So <laughs> I, not, I have not heard that expression before. <laughs> no, no, no. Shirt and the pants do all the work, and the vest gets all the gravy. <laughs> Old timey saying. Yeah, it's good. It's really good. <laughs> and it's true, except when people wore vests and ate gravy. <laughs> Let's speak to a different time. I sent you um, a link to Frevel Farm, which okay, is in check it out. Pauling, New York, up around Poughkeepsie. All right, do you send it so to me as quite a ways from you? It's not it's not near you. But it is New York related and farm related and bird related. Let's see. Frevel Farm. If you click on our story, well, look at this. You'll see the owner of Frevel Farm, who is not mentioned by name in any of the materials. All right, hold on. Two farmers, a man and a lady. Sure. You recognize the man. No, I don't. Who is that? It's Aaron Neville. What? Aaron Neville is living on a farm uh, around Poughkeepsie. No way. Yeah. And uh, you can you can buy Frevel Farm honey, Aaron's elixir. <laughs> Aaron's elixir. Awesome. Uh-huh. Raspberry and cream brittle. You get some lemon curd. Some wafers. Oh yeah. Frittata dog treats. What? How? Okay, that's the kind of career change I like. <laughs> Strawberry leather. Strawberry leather. Sure. These could that's be much. Nice shirt. These could be even more um, expensive than they are. Yeah, Aaron's, nice Aaron's elixir is a delightfully refreshing tonic loaded with turmeric and ginger, grown on the farm. Highly concentrated. No water, so a little goes a long way. <laughs> Enjoy with seltzer, hot or cold tea, cocktail mixer, delicious salad dressing with or without oil. Turmeric is an excellent anti-inflammatory, so enjoy daily to ward off your aches and pains. Aaron's Elixir, 8 ounces or 16 ounces, Yeah, made in the Hudson Valley. Keep upright. No, that's not what it says. <laughs> Love it, and I learned of oh, the is, Farm products. Hmm? Is the is the lady is the farm a combination of their names? I think the 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 Evel part 
yeah. is, I suppose, I hope it's Neville. <laughs> I don't know the lady's name. I don't know his <laughs> name. Anyway, so yes, go on. We went and saw Aaron Neville play last night. In Portland. Revolution Hall in Portland. Yeah. Because of, uh, last month I was thinking, you know, I, I really I do love Aaron Neville. And I listen to him a lot. And I was thinking, I wonder if he's playing still. Because he's older. He's almost 80. Um, and uh, and I looked up, you know, is he playing anywhere generally? And I said, oh, he's, he's playing in Portland in a few weeks. And when that happens, you have to go. Like if you're thinking, oh, I wonder if um, Jose Feliciano is playing. And then you look it up and you see that he's playing across the street in an hour. You have to go because you've been guided to it. Sure. Um, and you've got to see the old... It's, well, you don't have to. You don't have to go see music at all. Um, I suppose on a list of things, neutrally, uh, this was not necessarily the first. You know, since I don't get to go to concerts very often, or or dates very often, uh, this is not necessarily the one that I would have chosen for 2018. Yeah, but I'm glad that we did. Good. Uh, this is in a fairly small venue near Oscar's school, uh, Revolution Hall, and it was just the Aaron Neville duo. So it's Aaron Neville and a piano player. And you're familiar with Aaron Neville? Sure. 65 years of making music? Yep. Right? Started young, had a hit, tell these it like are, it is. These are of the of the Neville brothers of New Orleans? This is, the uh, I think, the youngest of the Neville brothers. Yeah. Yeah. His older brothers, uh, Art, and Cyril, and Charles, who were uh, uh, studio musicians on a lot of the early New Orleans things and then became the Meters. Or some of them became the meters, mm-hmm. um, and uh, and then as the Neville brothers started recording um, and continue to Art Neville, the oldest one is I think if uh, he's he was very sick fifteen twenty years ago. I don't think he's still performing. Cyril Neville still performing and fantastic as a drummer. Uh, Aaron Neville's uh, he was in a lot of doo wop stuff early on, um, and has had a sort of a separate career from his brothers. With, with some overlap, but kind of been a, you know, a pop singer. Um, so, you know, with one foot in New Orleans, but also kind of a national figure for, for a long time. Grammy Award mm-hmm. for his duet with Linda Ronstadt. Uh, uh, I don't know much, but I know I love you. <laughs> uh, that high, uh, that falsetto, melismatic uh, singing, Distinctive, one of the great voices yeah. uh, ever recorded. So, did you buy the elixir? <laughs> no, I didn't buy the elixir. They didn't sign the elixir. Um, and it was, uh, it, but it was, it was one of the weirdest musical things I've ever seen. Do tell. Uh, so he's, and I remember seeing Aaron Neville around New Orleans a lot when I lived there, because uh, he he was living there, and he, you'd just see him on the street. He would go do the solemn. Novena to St. Jude almost every day. Um, uh, uh, You know, you'd see him frequently just as a civilian. And even into his 60s was, you know, know, kind of a bodybuilder, you know, distinctive and friendly. Um, He's he's a little smaller now, a little older. He sat the whole time Mm -hmm. behind a, a piano that he touched once or twice. And then, you know, his longtime piano player doing all musical work and he would sing and it still has the voice of an angel mm-hmm. still has the voice of an angel this is a guy like his uh his his uh his ave maria 
um, you know, frequent uh, funeral hit, you know, uh, beautiful. I've been moved to tears hearing him sing live. You know, I see him more often, and and even when I hear him now. Um, and this show was almost entirely um, kind of fifties doo wop standards. With just him singing in a piano. Him, him singing in a piano player doing like uh, um, Under the Boardwalk and um, novelty songs. <laughs> songs he, liked. he played he played Tell It Like It Is, and uh, which was beautiful. They kind of disposed of it quickly. And then he did like, you know, he did like a Billy Joel song. He did a Neil Diamond song. <laughs> which, which ones? Do you remember? Oh, I was getting a beer during the Neil Diamond one. Um, he did the, uh, which Billy Joel was it? Um, one of them. Okay, you know I don't know. Horrible. Song. I, I always, I always, every all things Billy Joel. I, I wanted to take. I know. I was thinking of on. you. Please I was, go. On. I was thinking. I was thinking of you, and I was hoping to remember what it was. But he was having trouble remembering things. Like he had, he had a you know kind of the words up. There. He had a little book up there, and even with that, <laughs> faltering me. frequently. Yeah, you know, which you know, age. You know, it seems like he was, he was having a little bit but, of trouble. But was he carrying it? I mean, it was his voice enough to carry the, the show? Yeah. 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 His voice and presence were enough to carry the show. Uh, even when he forgot words to songs that he's been singing for 60 years. Sure. But, um, but here are the two of the most moving things from it. So the thing is, so his voice, the power of it is, is it's, um, it, it's a thing, one of the things that I think we're, we're missing in culture generally, which is just emotion. Yeah. Right. I mean, it's a very, um, emotional pleading, uh, voice full of, of pain and misery and, 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 you know, looking for, to be, uh, saved. Right. That's his, that's his voice. Sure. Um, and he can, he sang hand jive. You know what the song hand jive? <laughs> yeah, of course. Right. One of the corniest songs ever ever made, right? <laughs> and it was very moving. His voice <laughs> doing hand jive. He can find the pain. He can locate the pain and and honesty and emotion in in anything. And he sang hand jive, uh, and and he sang it kind of straight, and then a little a little minor transposition yeah. at one point. Um, there was he was not doing the hand jive. He was mm-hmm. not. <laughs> the beat was there, but it was subdued. It was a mournful, pleading, religious, uh, uh, sensual, uh, <laughs> grieving hand jive. Wow! And there is uh, you don't even, there is a narrative in there. It's a it's a it's a story song, um, and uh, 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 it was is unexpectedly heartbreaking version of hand jive yeah and then you know no ave maria but -hmm. it was as good as an ave maria (laughs) and he he ended the show with uh the mickey mouse the end of the mickey mouse um show the the uh how's that go been good to see yeah yeah am i see yeah Mm mm-hmm now it's time to leave you. Da 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 M I C K E Y M O U S E. Wow! And he had us all spell it out. He went through it a few times, and he just put every syllable, every phoneme, in um, 
in spelling out Mickey Mouse had more emotional vulnerability and resolve <laughs> than than perhaps I've ever seen on a stage. Wow. <laughs> wow. That's quite a it was, review. It was, it was amazing. Another person might go and say, well, that was strange and disappointing. <laughs> but... <laughs> And I, I was—I think I was sitting next to that person, but, uh, <laughs> and it was a disappointing crowd. I mean, there's a crowd that didn't seem to know, like they knew the Neil Diamond and the Billy Joel, but they didn't know necessarily um, tell it like it is. Even you know, oh. they weren't necessarily uh, fans. Well, then of why Aaron are you going Neville. to see Aaron Neville if you don't know? Because that? they had tickets and it was convenient. Yeah. You know, it's centrally located. Sure. Um, uh, and it was a uh, he was he was making an argument for uh, for the human heart. Wow! Sure. Uh, independent of even of songwriting, I think it was it was a it was, it was a way it was, it was like here are these here are these songs that you all know and I've been singing for a long time, and the songs don't matter. What matters is these notes and my the timbre of my voice. That that is a kind of musician <laughs> I can never be. <laughs> the kind where it's the singer, not the song. Right. right. Yeah, this is absolutely the singer, not the song. Um, your yeah. description of it reminded me of that great, um, really spare album by Jimmy Scott. Do you remember mm-hmm. him, the the jazz singer with the very very high keening uh-huh. voice, who had some um, some some syndrome that kept his body basically a child's body yeah a very strange sounding um very strange sounding voice but extraordinarily beautiful yeah yeah, tortured Mm -hmm. and beautiful Mm -hmm. um so uh yeah i have not gone to see a lot of music lately i've been i've been uh been reluctant despite the fair i've been kind of reluctant to be in crowds i kind of I've been ducking out of things a lot lately and returning to my lair. Um, but I did go to, uh, I did go to Philly to visit some friends. My pal, Andrew from, I think like midnight the mm-hmm. band with, uh, several of the dead milkmen, um, mm-hmm. and a good bass player that I was in for their first album. But, uh, because they are in a different city from me, I, uh, all instrumental, all, right? Yeah, all instrumental rock music. Yep. They, have a, they have a new album out. It's really good. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, as we do when we go to Philly, Stephanie and I spent a day just wandering, um, you know, walking like 10 miles all around the city yeah. and ended up having lunch at a place called Dizengoff. Um, and I think I told you, I think I've mentioned on the podcast before, uh, Philadelphia's favorite um, donut shop, Federal Donuts, which now has several locations throughout the city. Um, Dizengoff is the product of uh, the same guy, the same restaurateur, uh, and I hold on, I will tell you what his name is in a moment. It's quite a website. It's, it's uh, a Michael Solomonoff is mm-hmm. his name, and he's uh, Stephanie has got this book called Zahav, one of his cookbooks out of the library and making a lot of food from it. Um, this restaurant is 
terrific. Um, it's just hummus. That's kind of the trick to it. Just hummus. Yeah, it's the menu. Let's see if there's even a menu on it. And things to put hummus on? Yeah, well, no, what you get is... It's not just hummus and your fingers. No, it's a bowl. You get a bowl, and Mm -hmm. there's a a smear of hummus covering the bowl. So the hummus becomes like its own little soft bowl. And then something is put in it, some, some spiced chicken... Some there's a you can get chicken you can get beets, um, mm-hmm. you can get carrots I think, I might have gotten the carrots, I can't remember, but uh, absolutely staggeringly delicious. They have they have a, a a wood oven and this is an incredibly tiny space. It's can- it can't be more than eighteen by eighteen feet. And there's a couple there's a few picnic tables in there. Mostly people take it to go, like people working mm-hmm. in Center City, Philly. And this is on like 17th and Sansom, which is like right in the middle of town. Um, so people will come get their lunch and leave. But we managed to get a seat at one of the uh, one of the picnic tables. Uh, they are in this wood-fired oven. They're making fresh pita on the spot. Nice. So it's hot when you get it. It's hot mm-hmm. when you break it open. The steam mm-hmm. just rises up mm-hmm. a bit. And the best frozen beverage I have maybe ever had in my life. Um, frozen beverage. Frozen beverage is the, I'm Googling it now, it's the uh, frozen limonana. It's like an is- Israeli slushy. I'm going to link to a, I'm going to link to a, uh, a recipe for it, but it says limonana is a classic Israeli drink that combines freshly squeezed lemon juice and mint leaves, and uh, this this guy sort of you know grind, grinds it up with ice. Um, it's just so freaking good, incredibly tart. the The mint is unexpected. I don't know what else he's putting in there, but it's absolutely great. So highly recommended, and I recommend the cookbook Zahav as well. Sounds good. Reminds me of a um, the, only, the only place I ever had fresh pita was a place in Merida, Mexico, a Lebanese place called Siquef. Yeah, S I Q U E F F. That was kind of a breakfasty place, um, and uh, this is ten more than ten years ago. Um, but the uh, um, a fresh pita and and hummus, like hot fresh pita, and and and, and good hummus, um, and you know, the pleasures of traveling and sure. ha- actually having good coffee for the first time in, in weeks. Uh, one of the most memorable meals of my life. It's like a just regular morning, fresh pita, good hummus, coffee. Um, yeah, fifteen years ago. <laughs> I don't, I don't um, doubt you in the least, but it gets me thinking about. There's lots of good places to eat. There's lots of potentially memorable meals, but I feel like the so circumstances. Circumstances are so important. Like what you've been deprived of, what your emotional state is. Yeah, I think most of the best meals, the most memorable meals I've ever had, I had alone. 
not because I preferred to have no company, just because the only thing to focus on was the food that, that you're eating. I'm thinking of, I was in New York once. Um, I was in New York once for, a, I was like judging a contest, like a state arts grant thing. And it was the, the, the meetings I was having were in Brooklyn, but uh, they put me up in Manhattan in this little uh, B&B. So, and I realized I could, it was, the weather was good, so I could get up early enough to walk to Brooklyn. So I'd walk over the Williamsburg Bridge into Brooklyn. It was, it was really idyllic. You know, I liked mm-hmm. the people I was working with, I was talking yeah. to and judging with. And uh, it was sunny all three days that I was there, and I could take these nice long walks. So, but on the way, somewhere, I guess I was staying, the place I was staying at was around like 12th and 6th. So somewhere between there and the Williamsburg Bridge, there is this French bistro. And they had a, like a price fix dinner. If you got there early enough, they would give you like this $20 dinner. Mm-hmm. That was just, it had, you get mussels, you'd get escargot, you'd get this delicious French bread with uh, herbed butter. Mm-hmm. And they would give you a glass of wine. It was all part of the. It was what they thought a simple French meal would should yeah. be. Yeah. And I have been thinking about it ever since. And I cannot. I couldn't remember the name of the place. And I've never been able to find it again. <laughs> and I and I spend. I've spent a lot of time in that that part of the city. And yeah. I will. I would go out of my way. I try to remember when I'm on a trip there, and I do a lot of walks. All right. I, yesterday I walked down the street. Today I'm going to walk down the street. I I remember it was on the south side of the street. Uh, I don't. I don't know. I just don't know where I could have found the place. And I've searched for it a million times, and then like tried to stop by the places I searched for. And the thing is, if I went back, it's not going to be the same because I think it has to do with being by myself. Yeah. And happening upon the place and just walking yeah. in on a whim and being given food that someone else thought was the right food for me to eat, basically. It was only visible to you under those circumstances. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. You have walked by it. You've 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 stood with your nose to the window <laughs> and not seen it in another because you were in a different mood and a different point of, of your life. Yeah. You just sent well, me a link to something. So if you come to, if you next time you come to Portland, um, we can go to Le Pigeon, mm-hmm. which ties together several of our discussion points. Yes, it does. Pigeons. Look at that. And French, simple French meals. Is there a cell phone in that pigeon? Oh no, that's a cutting board. Could be a cell phone. <laughs> that pigeon swallowed a phone. Yeah. This is a place you like. You recommend. I haven't been to the main one. The, the main this, the 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 main restaurant is Le Pigeon, which which uh, opened doesn't seem like that long ago, but was sort of inaugurated Portland Portland's food scene. Mm-hmm. Uh, I have been to Canard, uh-huh. which they opened. Uh, I'm noticing a running for, theme for a uh, for a, a drink. Um, I suppose I had some sort of nibble, but it wasn't a full meal. It was, you know, something on bread. Uh, what are you reading? What sort of books am I reading? Yes. I want to now. I want to reread. The waitress was new. 
Um, oh, yeah. I've been reading uh, Nicholas Blake. Still reading Nicholas Blake yes. Mysteries. Good. And and uh, Nicholas Freeling, the Nigel Strangeways Mysteries of Nicholas Freeling from the 70s. Yeah, I believe we, we uh, you talked about We've those in the previous episode. Yeah, I'm still, episode. still reading these. I'm uh, getting ready. I'm teaching a, a, a seminar starting Wednesday on prosody, mm-hmm. uh, which includes a number of uh, prose students are from the MFA are taking it. Yeah. And so I've been trying to find, I've been trying to find good short fiction pieces that's kind of scan, but we're reading, I just reread yesterday, the pest house, which I'm having them read. Oh yeah. I like that Jim book. Crace. Yeah. I like Jim Crace. Mm-hmm. Crace, uh, he scans the prose is largely iambic. Oh wow. So I signed that, and then I hadn't hadn't read it in I don't know four or five years, whenever it came out. And we read a lot of my memories of it are combined with the road, which came out at the same time and is a similar narrative or a similar atmosphere. Yeah, for the pest house, and uh, the last uh, Ishiguro baby giant. It's not called baby giant. No, sleeping giant. Baby Giant's a good title, though. <laughs> yes, it is. Yeah, Baby Giant sounds like a, a, a regional indie record label. <laughs> yeah, Des Moines or Orlando. <laughs> yeah. It's some lost scene. It never quite broke nationally. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Uh, maybe so you should you, start that label. Baby Giant? Is, am I getting that right? Is it The Sleeping Giant? Let's see. It might not be. The Buried Giant. The Buried Giant. Yeah. Buried Giant. I like that book. And I vaguely remember it being of a matter of some controversy. I think I think he made some comment about how the book is not a fantasy novel. Um, and then Ursula Le Guin took that to mean that he was insulting fan- fantasy right. novels. And, right. and then she, she died. And then she died, yeah. So I guess he won that argument. Yeah, um, and then a lot of people, a lot of people who like him, didn't like that book because it was fantasy-ish, and people who liked fantasy didn't like that book because it wasn't doing fantasy right. And I, it just seemed like a good Ishiguro book to me. I, I adored it. Yeah, I adored it too. Um, Pest House, some of the same pleasure. It's, it was different reading Pest House after Buried Giant. Yeah. Um, uh, they relate to each other, I think, in my mind. Sure, I'll buy that. And also the um, what's the the Jim Crace novel about th- that Jesus is in the background of Quarantine. Quarantine, yeah, that one's really good too, and is also not uh, unrelated to the to this uh, issue. Yeah, book. yeah, I think he's great. Yeah. Well, yeah. the book I'm most excited about this week. Um, is a new novel by uh, my friend Ling Ma called Severance. From Topeka, Kansas. Yeah, yes. Yeah. Washburn Rural graduate. Yeah. Did you did you ever meet her? No. Yeah. But she, I do keep track of who's from Topeka and who's not. <laughs> that she is from Topeka. She's younger, though. Yeah, she's in her 30s. We wouldn't have crossed paths, I don't think. 
No, but you you know you you're one of those people who tend to introduce people to one another. So well, you, I was delighted. You meet uh, a lot of people of of the novel. I didn't, uh, and, and that she was a student of yours. Yep. So this is uh, 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 it's a happy a happy biography. Well, this book it sort of presents as a kind of zombie novel, I guess, yeah. but it doesn't it doesn't it's something very different and it it sort of rethinks and recontextualizes the notion of a of a world destroying virus or illness mm -hmm. as it were um i don't think it's a spoiler to say that that's an aspect of the book you figure it out and you know pretty quickly that's what's going on or is about to happen anyway but uh she sort of likens it to the you know the I won't say what the details of the illness are because that's one of the pleasures of the book is finding that out. But it's kind of metaphorically likened to the repetitiveness um, and ritualisticness of of modern life, uh -huh. um, and it's just beautifully written and funny and weird. And uh, I I just read I just read the published version for the first time a couple of weeks ago, and it's it has it's greatly expanded from the last version that I had read. Um, and it, of course, had gotten even better and more refined and more full and uh, wonderful. So, um, and I think has it hit the streets? It is. It's out. Seems to be at least a modest hit at this point. Maybe a straight up hit. We'll see. But um, but uh, I think it's going to be. You know, it's going to be in consideration for all the big awards. I think it's. I think it's a really good book. It's great. I need to read it. You need to read every every book by Topekin. I, well, I do. I do. <laughs> I don't like a zombie book. I, yeah. li I like a zombie adjacent book. Questionable Shape uh, by Bennett Sims. Yep, I like that book too. Zombie novel without any zombies in it. Uh-huh. Um, I have a... Uh, the National Book Award list came out. The long lists. Mm-hmm. Uh, my uh, friend Diana Huynh's, uh Got a, uh, her first book of poems on the list. Oh, nice. Uh, I was very delighted to see, as well as some of the customary figures. Um, and I didn't I didn't know until I saw it that Sigrid Nunez has a new book out. Yeah, so I, I, <laughs> I bought it, but I haven't read it because it, it's, I opened it up and it's about dog love. So I, <laughs> I closed it immediately. I'll read. <laughs> I'll, I'll suspend my dog... Um, concerns for her <laughs> yeah she's really well, good she, she already wrote a monkey book which is one of my favorite books uh -huh, sure mitzi yeah the story about um the short novel about um virginia wolf's marmoset yeah i did read that hey mitzi mm -hmm. uh, from mitzi's it's uh told from mitzi's point of view mm -hmm. uh, so I'll, I'll read a dog book by her yeah the and friend it's a great dame which is okay. <laughs> you, you, is there a breed of dog you don't want to read about? I don't like to read about small dogs. <laughs> you know, I don't like to read about a little dog. I'll read about a Great Dane. Yeah, um, that's fair, I guess. <laughs> you can write. You can write, a, you can write a dog book, um, like Merwin's, uh, The Shadow of Sirius. Mm -hmm. Um. Which he published at eighty. At eighty, you can 
if you published forty other books, oh yeah, you can't. What 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 does the uh, Faulkner character uh, say in in Barton Fink when asked if he's how to write a wrestling picture? <laughs> you you written a a wrestling picture? And who's 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 the plays him in Barton Fink? It's a uh, the dad on Frasier. Uh, he's also in Foil's War. Um, British American. I don't remember his name, but I know who you're talking about. You know, character actor. Yeah. Uh, let me look it up. Forget, forget what, what he what he says. He says, uh, uh, "says Sir, you're dripping." And then then Turturro asks again, and he says, uh, he sort of uh, rushes the answer. He says, "Yes, I have." Uh, not, not Danes. Uh, what does he say? Uh, the way he sees, says that he has, he has written a, a, a wrestling feature before. <laughs> yeah. um, so you can you can. Uh, is it, is it John book. Mahoney? It's John Mahoney. Right? John Mahoney. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> That's, I can picture him. Danes to write a uh, <laughs> to pen a, a K nine feature uh, <laughs> at a certain point in your career. But not early. Don't lead with dog stuff. No. And, you know, Considering your Uber, don't lead with dog stuff. Um, Sigurd can also do whatever she likes. She's a great writer. Well, she is. Um, oh, one of the TV show uh, that I like, uh, if you uh, can spare a little uh, HBO subscription for a month is a uh, succession, which didn't really appear, appeal to me at first, but yeah, I saw the first couple in a hotel Yeah, and I didn't know what I was watching. Yeah. That was a movie. <laughs> and, and I, I just abs- I was, I was, I was both delighted and disappointed to find out that it was a series Yeah, because it seemed complete unto itself. It was the <laughs> one uh, where they're at, it's a, the awards banquet or, yeah. a, or, um, the gala which seems perfectly self-contained and gorgeous. Um, yeah, it's, it, and the, the, um, it's fine. It's good. It's good for the first five episodes, but then yeah. something big happens. And for the rest of the season, it's 10 episodes. It just is yeah. totally on fire. And at first I, after a few episodes, I thought this is pretty good, but I don't, I know this is a satire about the wealthy, but I even in that context, I was like not mega compelled by the yeah. characters' lives. Um, but then once once it the, once the thing got going, I was really really yeah. into it. The acting is great; it's hilarious and disturbing. It was really well written. Yeah, it's well written. Kieran yeah. Culkin is extremely funny. Good. Extremely Brian funny. Brian Cox was surprising. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. Is that his name? Yeah, yeah Brian Cox. Yeah, and I, I feel like he, actors I don't know. He's been in yeah. so damn many movies um, and TV shows, but I feel like this is kind of a, you know, f- fairly fairly late in his career, maybe a career defining role. I, mean, I guess he's had a few, but the, yeah. he's so great as the patriarch of this. Uh, and is the the, um, the 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 friend from Ferris Bueller in it? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. What's yeah. his? Uh, oh hell, what's his name? Uh, begins with a C. Calvin yeah. Comey, yeah. <laughs> that yeah. guy. James Comey is James Comey. Really good job Actually, yeah. and, and uh, yeah, and there's a kid who plays like the the Nevishi nephew, who's like a um, ludicrously yeah, really, yeah. ludicrously tall young man. 
is yeah. also great. Yeah. Yeah. So. yeah, he was very funny. It looks it's very good. Have you seen The Death of Stalin yet? No, no. The Iguchi um, show about the death of Stalin with uh, Steve Buscemi as uh, Khrushchev, uh, <laughs> Jeffrey Tambor as Beria. Um, maybe it's John Hurt. He's dead, though. It seems like it's John Hurt as Stalin, although it's only, only very brief because he dies quite quickly in it. Then yeah. it's just the, the rem- surviving members of the Politburo who are all um, American and British actors doing their natural American and British accents and so <laughs> t- pretending to be, uh, you know, Russian. Uh, so it's Buscemi just being Buscemi, but he's Khrushchev, you know? Oh my and God, that's great. And terrifying. <laughs> Stayed with me. Cause uh, I mean, it's, it's, it's all comedy based on, you know, the it's Stalin. So, I mean, under, underlying it is the, the cruelty of the, of you know the, the the starving of millions of people the the the, the general terror mm. uh, of the times um, which seems uh, apt to um, to remember in our current turbulent moment which we're mm. not talking about yes for a few moments a moment yeah very good very well um, is that is it streaming right now. Um, I, I, where did I see it? Uh, I, I got, I got it from the, uh, what do they call them? The red, red barns, the red boxes. Red oh boxes yeah. Yeah. Red box at the Tillamook, um, Safeway. And so if it's in the red box, <laughs> of the Tillamook Safeway, then I think it's, it's popularly available. Okay. Sure. Ianucci doesn't, he's not part of succession, but it's a similar kind of, uh, humor. It seems like. What else? What has he directed that I or or well, written? The, um, the thi- um, the uh, what was the British? The thick of it. Oh, sure, sure. Is that what it's called? Yeah, I think it is called the thick of it. Yeah. 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 Great. I also, just watched Vera. You watched Vera? No. I ran through all of Foyle's War in my middle age. Wait, about Nabokov's Vera? Procedural. No, it's unrelated to the Nabokov. Oh, okay. Sadly. It's Brenda Blethen as a small town cop in England. Brenda Blethen. Um, these are oh, sure, I know who she is. Old or so. Yeah, yeah. 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 Very, very good. Okay. Very good. Yeah. Good cop. Well, my friend, a lot of birds in it. A lot of bird stuff. Well, there's nothing wrong with that. Someone gets killed by a crow. That's good. Yeah. Oscar's really into werewolves right now. Really? The Halloween season for a a first grader starts at the beginning of school. Halloween begins day one of school and runs a little bit past Halloween. What is he in first, say first grade? Weeks before Halloween. Yeah, he's in first grade. Halloween peaks? I think Halloween season peaks before Halloween itself. Right. Just because there's so much uh, intensity of, in thinking about it. He wants to build a, a haunted house. He's fantasizing about how many jack-o'-lanterns we're going to carve. Um, he's been talking a lot about werewolves. Sure. And, and being a grown-up. 
Those things but, are not uh, are not unrelated. One of the same. Yeah. But uh, I like your little um, sound guard, your little pop screen. Oh, yeah, a little pop, little it pop looks, filter. It looks like you have a beard, like you have a nice little kind of blondish goatee. <laughs> yeah, it's my sound beard. Have you ever had just a goatee? No, um, I haven't had – I've only ever had a full beard or nothing. And Why, why, why not, uh, why not go, go half-seeks? I don't know. I, I, for me, it's all no beard and beard are equivalent, basically. But anything, any partial beard, is just calling attention to itself, and which is fine. I like to call attention to myself in other ways, but I've never been comfortable doing so through the vector of uh, facial hair. Fair enough. So, you, are you recommending it? You think it would look good on me, a forty-eight-year-old man, to? Grow goatee. I think like the, the the same color of the screen, like a like a blonde kind of Viking. How do you feel about gray? <laughs> because that's, that's what dyed. color it would be. <laughs> yeah, oh, I know, I, I know, but but I think you could go to a colorist, sure, a comic book colorist, and they would uh, ink in a little uh, little robust blonde goatee, goatee. My uh, son, Owen, my 21-year-old son, has been rocking, uh-huh. rocking a, uh, um, like a 70s porno stash. Mm-hmm. And it suits him. It looks very good. They had those mustaches for a reason. <laughs> They're attractive. Do tell. Yeah. <laughs> I thought not you were going to... Not a utility. No, no, not, not a utility reason. <laughs> not, it's a, sort of like the coloring of a pigeon, right? <laughs> It's sort of like the frill back. It's a uh, it's a uh, fancy, fancies up the appearance a little bit. <laughs> sure, I got, I was I was wondering what what uh, amazing bit of trivia you were about to drop on me there for a moment. Oh, I don't have any, I don't have any trivia on the subject, um, but I do wonder who was the first um, in the history of pornography who who had the first mustache. <laughs> What was the first photographed mustache? History of photography. First photographed, earliest photographic evidence of a mustache. You know what? It might have been in one of the very first photos. There is a, a lot of people had mustaches. Yeah, a lot of people had mustaches in the era when cameras yeah. were new. And there was a photo, I think the first photo with people in it, with a person yeah, the in it. The first were like buildings. Yeah, no, but the first, very first one was buildings, but the first one with a person in it, it was a a rooftop shot like the first photo period it was, a roo- it was a rooftop shot i think it was paris and it looks like the streets are deserted save for one man but it's because that man was getting his shoes shined so he's the only one who's still a very very but long again, exposure the, yeah, the, yeah. Well, let's look that up i'm i'm very curious about this um the first photo of a human being. Okay, here it is. Let's see. Let's see if we can make out his face. He's too far away. He's too far away. But this is, it is a beautiful photo. The first, 1838, the first photograph of a human being. So we can, the, the mustache is implied. Yeah. 
It's France. It's 1838. Yeah. He's got a mustache. He's got a mustache. He's got a, mustache. He's a thin, <laughs> brawny mustache. Are there any mustaches in the, the cave paintings? Like the rock paintings? Like uh, <laughs> petroglyphs? I don't know. There's a lot of a lot of patterns. I think some of those are probably on mustaches. There must. Sometimes it'll be like, a, oh, this is a deer. Uh, this is uh, like a woolly mammoth. Mm-hmm. This is like a mountain. Uh, here is where where to get water. And this is this is a handsome man with a mustache. <laughs> the iconic. Yeah. 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 Yeah, iconic uh, cave image of a handsome man chasing a deer. Sure. Well, but those, you know, a lot of those, those, uh, those are in France too. A lot of the cave, yep. uh, you know, rock, you know, paintings. Of, a lot of those are in, you know, in in, in Australia, um, the other hemisphere. You know, there's the uh, the iconic uh, Aboriginal uh, image of like the hand, and then the 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 pigment or uh, you know paint or yeah. Uh, is is blown around the hand, so you have uh, the handprint, the negative space of of the hand. Yeah, you know, um, I think they also have that for mustaches. <laughs> so you have the hand, hand, mustache, kangaroo, <laughs> kangaroo with a mustache. Never been to Australia. Hoping to. I'm sorry. It's probably time to end up this end the, the podcast if we're talking about that. But uh, I'm having such a good time talking to you because well, it's have, been a while. We haven't. But spoken I don't have in much information to share, despite <laughs> it being six weeks or so since our last talk. It's never stopped us. Um, you could talk about wanting to go to yeah, Australia. So Twenty-one. I've got one in first grade. Yeah. We go to county fairs. We read books. Yeah, that's what Snickers it's all about. Salads. Hey, man! If you don't like it, you don't have to listen. It's optional yeah. to listen to this podcast. Yeah. I'm sure there have been some adventures. We went to Montana. Yeah. We've done so much. Went to the mountain. Um, but the main thing I wanted to tell you about is the Snickers salad. Oh, well, we also – did we talk about the walking tacos? <laughs> we had a chance to actually discuss walking tacos? No, but would you want to save it for the next time so we can, we can start with that? It just seems so important. All right, all right, go for it. Go for it. No, Tell no, me about we'll the walking tacos. I think you know it's 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 been it's been almost two months since I had a walking taco, which is like <laughs> a Doritos bag that you open up and then you put like sour cream and salsa in it. Oh, yeah, in the bag. You, how long does it stay crunchy? Not very. You don't you, know, you uh, um. What you do is you, you, you crunch up the bag so that it's kind of pulverized. Yeah. And then you put like salsa and maybe some taco meat and some sour cream in it. And then you get a, you get a, a spoon or a spork and you sit by the pool and you eat your, um, your walking taco. And then probably just drop the bag wherever you're standing when you're done because that's the kind of person you are. <laughs> taco. So we're talking about like a like a like a small serving, like a convenience store serving of That's tortilla fine. chips. Yeah. Oh yeah. my lord! Were you, were you imagining like a full? Of course. I mean, that's for a family. <laughs> a walking family taco. A walking family taco. Yeah. Uh-huh. So, what was the circumstance in which you were eating this thing? Missoula Splash Park. Missoula. Um, <laughs> 
has a summer uh, uh, pool. It's open it's an outdoor pool. It's open very briefly. Mm-hmm. And it has a lazy river and a big slide, and it's really quite fantastic. And it has a, a little little food window, and mm-hmm. through the food window, you throw in some some coins, and they'll give you a, a walking taco. Not a lot of options. One of them is the walking taco. So I tried it. Not sure what it was. And that's what it was. <laughs> that's what it was. <laughs> yeah. Um, and it's kind of hard to eat. And there seemed something very disgusting about eating something inside of its, um, inside of its, its package. Yeah. In the same way that I mean, like, look, I don't, I don't, I was not raised on escargot, but I have a, a, a inherent, like, I'm sure it's fine, but I have, you know, an instinctive revulsion when I hear about it. Not so much because it's snail, but because it's served in its shell. Yeah, sure. Yeah, there's something, there's something yeah. very yeah. personal about that. Pull it out of the shell, chop it up, put it in a Snickers salad, <laughs> you're fine. But to eat something in its own, in its own casing. Right, um, sort of unprocessed. Like you eat, you eat sausage inside of the, uh, you know it's it's inside a casing that's from the animal. Yeah, um, it's from a slightly but, different area, of the and animal. it's gross. But I'm okay with it because it's different. Uh, but it's not like you just like attacked an animal and started eating it. No, if you had like if you go to a restaurant and you get pork belly, and what you actually get is a belly with fur on the outside of it and a spoon. Yeah. That's not pleasant. I mean, if you're really hungry, you know. But it seems wrong. I mean, like, the hunger the hunger level would have to be um, dying hunger, dying level. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Not, 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 not peckish. Oh, I'd tuck it right in. Uh, if I die otherwise, sure. Peckish, I'm going to tear open this bird and eat its liver. <laughs> I don't know if birds have livers. They must. We have pate. But so the walking taco, I don't know why it's why, why that would be disgusting and so many other things that are truly disgusting and hygienic, uh, unhygienic are don't don't bother me. But the walking taco, which I did eat, yeah, um, <laughs> stayed with me is like something I did wrong. It's like I did something wrong by eating that walking taco. Well, I mean, sure, <laughs> but you've had the experience, you've lived to tell the tale. It's not like Here's you, another not like an order line those, or something. Those little those little cereals, yeah, like the little um, like like the the little boxes, yeah. Right? When the wax so like the wax sampler, paper the wax paper envelopes, uh, yep, frosted flakes, yeah. What else? Uh, uh, Applejack. You find them wrong, and then you can you open up the box, yep, and you pour milk in the box. Or you know, sort of. I guess maybe it's not the box, not the cardboard part. But you no, know. no. You you there's the 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 little plastic. It used to be waxed paper, but you um, yeah. that the cereal yeah. is in. You open that up and you leave it in the box, and it sits yeah. in the box. It's like a liner to the box, and you pour the milk into the into the inner sleeve. But you're still yeah, holding. You're still carrying the box around. You're eating out yeah. of the box. Yeah, that seems so so. Uncivilized, you know. Sure. Like, what else would you do if you had a cereal like that? What else are you? What other monstrosities are you capable of perpetuating? Yeah. <laughs> you. I wish. I wish people listening to this could see your face right now. You're very. You're really anguished about this. 
I know I shouldn't be. I know that they're these are not actual problems, <laughs> and that the, the actual horrible monstro you know that the people do bad things all the time. I'm no angel. <laughs> But how hard is it to pour? I mean, are there no are there no bowls? You know, do you not know what a bowl is? You can just pour it into a bowl. Yeah. Milk, spoon, corn pops, no problem. It's wrong. It's wrong. What you're saying? It seems wrong. It seems edgy. Are you hungry for lunch? Well, then let's have lunch. Do you want some lunch? It's time for Lunchbox with Ed and John.